Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Uh, the one and only Ben Clark is with me. Marcel is probably on holiday yet again. Uh, so it is just the two of us. He, he said he may dial in. It depends if he gets Wi-Fi from his private jet or not. He's not exactly sure if this one's got Wi-Fi. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, just quickly, before we move on to uh, a very busy schedule of races to look back on, if you haven't already um, rated us and left a comment on wherever you download your podcast from, we'd really appreciate only if you're doing five stars. If you're doing one star, just don't bother. Save your, save your energy. Good reviews only, please. Uh, just helps us out. Thank you. I haven't done that for ages. I feel like a bit of a, like I'm sort of, you know, groveling, doing a, doing a bit of groveling to the, the should, people at home. It should be part of your spiel every week. Get sign on and sign off. <laughs> right review comment. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> ben, how are you, my friend? All good. Uh, I'm not sure if Marcel's on holiday, like you said, or whether he's hard at work on T-shirt designs uh, for you or uh, uh, the listeners. I think he's been taken out on an aeroplane to find finally put together all of these T-shirts. I think he's he's hot-footed it over to wherever they make (laughs) T-shirts. I've I've had a couple requests for specific designs, all of which will infuriate you. Um, Oh, really? So sharing them or are they surprises? (laughs) I'll I'll fill you in on those uh, on another time when we've got a bit more to uh, time to talk about t-shirt designs and less skiing (laughs) to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, save the t-shirts. Marcel can keep his uh, the the love the love t-shirts to himself. Um, Just uh, we'll obviously go back over the races, but have you got a highlight of of, over the last? week or so of racing just just sort of highlight high lines i think that the highlight of the last couple of weeks really has been kind of the return of solid snow um or ice as the case <laughs> may be like actually seeing some race on some shiny surfaces has been has been brilliant and you know people doing good second run charges and, and coming through the pack a bit but it not being a case of 30th to first and and races like that so it's, it's just been some some good racing all around and some some good holding up pieces which is, has been missing so far this season so i've quite enjoyed uh, it being less of a weather guessing game still some sketchy visibility but generally speaking the pieces are holding up really well um and you know it's always makes for much better racing um like we said the ones we've seen so far this year have been exciting but this is a bit more of a, a bit more proper you know, isn't it get some form get your form guides out get ready to go and i think that's probably why i did so well on the predictions league this week feel pretty good about my Clement Owell, Lloyd Mayer, Lena Dur. I got that the wrong way around, but still feel pretty good about that one as well. Uh, yeah, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about that one. I think I had an all-round shocker this weekend. Uh, <laughs> probably, probably the easiest way to describe it. Um, <laughs> uh, well, whilst we are, before we move on, I have got the leagues and I will be. Uh, those Apologies to those of you that are, are waiting for updates of league positions. I will put them up online on the social media. Um, Toot sweet. But leading the way, new leader, Nicholas Farrow leads the way with 160 points. Second place, uh, Rob Great, uh, Great Batch, and he has 157, so three points behind. And then there are two people on 156, so joint third, Jason Shorter and Ian Finley. Ambrose Pivak, has, uh, he's plummeted, he's plummeted of late. He's he's been, picked up a few. Copying my picks, clearly. Yeah, he's he's obviously been listening to far too much of the pod and not trusting his own instinct <laughs> and listening to us uh, inverted comment uh, inverted commas experts. Uh, so yeah, so that's how it stands. But yeah, I'll put that up and get that to, on on the line 
pretty quickly. Well, I say pretty quickly. It won't be tonight. It'll be tomorrow. Um, yes. So, uh, Ben, shall we start off with the women? I think we've kind of got to start off with Michaela Schifrin's ridiculous run of results over the last week. Since if we go back to... I, 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 do you know what? I don't even know. I can't even remember off the top of my head how far we have to go back to when she didn't lose, apart from in that second race. But uh, let's stick kick off with race one. And she just looked... I mean, she still does. I mean, obviously, she didn't win the second race. But she just looks ridiculously good and is able like even when all the pressure's on of, you know, this record chasing and, you know, she's been really good at sort of deflecting record chat, but there's nowhere to hide from record chat at the moment. And it's going to follow until she, until she gets the next two victories, till she ties stem marks and then surpasses stem marks. That's all people are going to talk about. So she's well aware that that, that is all people are interested in talking about. So she's just sort of got to sack it up and get on with it. But she looks like she is in absolutely top, dog performancing at the moment doesn't she so she won first race Lena do a second and then our own our pod fave Sandy Wendy in third place what did you make about race one was that the one where they um where the the sweet the uh, Swedish guy set like the Kostelich course where there was a you could choose your entry into that uh verticale I think I think that was the first race but I definitely wouldn't call it a Kostelich course I don't think you could set a Kostelich course on that hill because it is so flat after the pitch that you can't put yeah. turns in it fair, um, fair. so you couldn't do a Kostelich like right angle turns or hilarious exits to combinations it looked like it was just I mean both runs both days once you got off the mini pitch that didn't look like much of a pitch to be honest with you once you got off that it just looked like an absolute like straight line to the finish. Um, yeah, little car park on there. What you said about Schiffen is is right. She she does look on the kind of top form by her standards. Like she's found her like kind of full slalom form. When you said about n- not feeling the pressure, I didn't really think she felt the pressure at all on the on the second slalom. I thought realistically it looked like one of those races where we've seen you know best part of eighty six times from her where she's got a big lead on the first run. And she looks to just kind of almost control that margin yeah, and just agreed, and just got that agreed. judgment slightly wrong because she yeah. was only a couple hundredths off. So it looked almost, almost perfect. Uh, it was almost perfect. I didn't think she looked as relaxed in the second day as she did in the first. I have to admit on the second one, it was a little bit stiffer than I'd seen her through some of the bumps. But I think that's understandable. But she is skiing out of her skin. And I don't remember her skiing better. I mean, some of that slalom stuff. I know you, the hill, like you say, wasn't necessarily the most difficult of of pistes but she she just tore it she absolutely tore it to shreds and the only body that could get anywhere close was Durr. it's one of those things we talked about before like on those either hills or sets depending on what you want to kind of point the finger at for, for why it wasn't as challenging as a, as a world cup race probably should be is when you have those sets that are straight you have to take the risks to go absolutely flat out or you will not keep up with Schifrin. And she took the risks and, and and laid two absolute monster runs, first runs down so that everyone was in it. You saw from a couple of the early starters that not called Schifrin, where they didn't go full out, they were absolutely miles off. And that's why in this particular example, obviously on the on the second day, the gap between Schifrin and Dua is quite close, but the rest of the field are so far off because they just don't have that, I guess, gear to just go bullet straight and trust themselves. Like a couple of people tried and then got caught out on the, the odd turn just because they weren't used to carrying that much speed yeah. and going that straight. But mm. it was it was it was brilliant to watch from Schifrin. Uh, like you said, kind of like almost like 
kind of young Schifrin when she first burst onto the scene of just skiing the way she knows how and no one else seems to be able to copy like so light and graceful but accelerating non-stop yeah uh, it's a, a, let, let's let's chat about the second day at the same time shall we with Lena Dur uh, just finally converting um I, I love to see Schifrin's domination I I do I know sometimes it, may, it maybe sounds like I'm you know I don't I don't love the fact that she dominates I, w- I'm, I can't wait for her to get that record because I'd love to sort of hear the end of that record and just be able to look at her skiing. Um, but Lena Dur, I'm, I was really pleased that she's finally got the monkey off her back in terms of uh, converting good first round performances to the victory. I think that's going to be her really going from strength to strength now. I was really, really impressed with that second round from her. Like you say, Ben, with those high speeds, she just looked like totally, totally planted in the middle of her skis, didn't she? She just looked like it was... With those high speeds, she was just dealing with everything. Schifrin narrowly missed out. Six honeys, that was the only difference. And then uh, Zrinka Lucic on the podium for the Croatians, which was a pretty um, mega performance. Just quickly, another shout-out. Paula Maltzan, double double good results from her Caesar into the top seven on the WCSL, and she should be starting in the, in the uh, Bibs 1-7 to seven in the next, well, at World Champs. And then at the rest of the closeout for the start of the season, which Schifrin's already wrapped up, hasn't she? G- Globe won tick in the box uncatchable in the slalom nice no, she's had yeah she's had a great year and i think obviously uh uh wendy skiing out on the sunday helped that happen because i think she was the next nearest person in there so obviously it was a shame for, for wendy not to not to have her best skiing on the on the sunday and, and ski out but she's got that mentality where she will lay it all on the line so even though the course is pretty easy she was trying to get all of that speed out and unfortunately, that then cost her, cost her the finish and, and, and got shift for the win. But it was only going to be a matter of time if, if Sandy Wendy had been on the podium that day. It would have just been the next World Cup round of, of slalom races, probably when Schifrin wrapped it up. Um, but on, on Schifrin, do you reckon this bit, uh, that they've already made her a jacket like they had for Novak Djokovic when he won the uh, uh, Australian <laughs> Open from about 22. Do you reckon 100%. they've got a, like an 87 or 86 jacket or whatever it is? So well, that, they already yeah. had, They all the, the US team uh, girls had, what was it? Was it 83? What was it? Uh, I think it must have been, it must have been sort of beating the beating of Vaughn's record. They'd had those black t-shirts on, didn't they? With all those mm. things. Yeah. I think, you know, there's going to be some sort of choreographed celebration. The sponsors must've already done it. Cause yeah, Killian Albrecht like, is Killian Albrecht's <laughs> not missing a trick into, you know, being his manager. He's, he's going to be, there are some people saying, oh, you know, that's really obnoxious of, of, of Djokovic to have done it. I don't reckon he had much of a say in it. I reckon they said, if you win, here's this jacket you're going to wear. Yeah, uh, they, all, they all do it, though, don't they? Whatever sport it is, whether it's whether it's NFL, whether it's rugby, whether it's football, they all... I mean, I'd love to know what happens to the, to the sort of T-shirts or, or whatever that, that just go in the bin because it doesn't happen. You know, like the, the 22. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, crappy loss. I've just ordered like 8,000 Marcel <laughs> Mathis T-shirts that I'm now going to have to throw into the bin. eBay. That's what it's for. That's what it's there for. Yeah, uh, collector's editions. Um, so you, you mentioned you mentioned Maltzan and getting in that top seed. And and at the moment, I think it's pretty obviously that's in, in place of... Uh, is is, is Burger, isn't it? Um, yeah. I'm, well, I'm, fair, I'm fairly yeah. sure she is dropping like a stone right now in 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 the rankings. She is having an absolute nightmare, and a lot's been made of obviously the the split with with Magoni was a very short tenure. Um, but I, do you see anything in her skiing at the moment? She just looks 
like she she has no idea what's going on under her feet yeah she's not swapped ski brands she's on the same looks like she's absolutely zero absolutely zero confidence um which i think is understandable when you've been I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to lay all of the blame at Magoni's door. I mean, he is her coach, and she obviously has not forgotten how to ski, and they've just not clicked. Obviously, I mean, say it the leading obvious, but they've just not clicked, and they've had to go their separate ways. Um, again, they would have known what they were getting into when they. I mean, it was Lahova, quite widely publicised. Yeah, with Lahova Lahova wasn't about. Sort of, going backwards coming forwards was she about about how she didn't enjoy it and how she was glad to see the back of it and she was grateful that of, of the accolades that she won which he essentially masterminded but she was very pleased to see the back of it uh would there have been red red flags going up in the air when um uh Hrovat hung up her boots M- maybe and i mean these girls would all know each other they would have talked to each other yeah so it just seems so it seems so strange like we've seen people go through slumps before but they still look like you can see what they're trying to do with 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 Linsberg. i just can't see what she's trying at the moment and she keeps seeming to get to the bottom and just throw her hands in there like what's going on why am i two seconds off i think she Um, needs to get away she's i think a little bit like vlahova needs to just just go go somewhere else do something else i saw um I saw that Sophia Godger is in Dubai on a like a summer holiday at the moment. So maybe something like that. Just, you know, just just forget about skiing, go somewhere else, recharge, reset, get away from the Austrian press, get away from everybody going, what the hell's going on with her? Or, you know, the Austrian press, you know, more brutal, telling her she's crap and just and just get gone, I think. Just reset. You've got plenty of time until the tech events at the at the World Champs. So that's just that's what I would do. If I was her, I think her mum's quite in is quite invested. I was hearing something from I don't know who was it. I think it was Charlie Guest. So I did the Eurosport commentary. She was saying that they were arguing at one race. I, I hope I'm not. I, I hope she didn't tell me not to say this to anybody. <laughs> she said that they were arguing at a race. Maybe text her before you. Uh, yeah, it's too late. Before now. you I'm, press I'm publish, just gonna, I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. Deal with the consequences. Um, and she just said they were, and her mum like kept stepping in and and like sort of being the buffer between Magoni and um and Leonsberger and like he kept trying to get her to go and do stuff and her mum was like look you can see how tired she is just she's after this she's going to bed she's not going to do whatever it is that you said that she's going to do or whatever basically like you know it's it's not been a great situation for a long time widely publicized but let's hope that you know a bit of a break from the World Cup, even if she doesn't go anywhere, a little bit of time away from from World Cup for her. Hopefully, that's the sort of recipe for for you know. I don't know. What do you think? I, I hope so. I hope, like you said, like possibly taking a step back for a couple of weeks will, will help. Kind of just re- even if it's just recharge the batteries and just go in with a, a a plan. You know, she's only doing a couple of races at the World Champs. Just go have a plan in mind of no matter what this is how I want to ski and execute, whether it's going flat out or taking risks, or I just want to do some nice skiing, whatever it is, have a plan in mind, spend the next couple of weeks working out what that's going to be, yeah. and then go to World Champs and just try and execute that plan. So you can say, okay, I did what I was trying to do. Okay, I'm not going to defend my title. I gave it my best shot, but okay, I can build from this point of the season. But 
fortunately, the Austrians did have a, a, a by the rest of the season standard, a pretty good weekend from from Francisca Gritch. She got yeah, she absolutely smoked second run, didn't she? Got sixth and a ninth on 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 the two days, and and she's kind of stayed away probably from a lot of the negativity around the team so far this year, and I think probably because she's been on the outskirts the yeah, others she, have all had individual podiums here and there whereas she's never quite got to that level she's, she's just going stick. about her business yeah she's yeah. not one that they're going well why isn't she doing well where like they're doing with Trippe and, and obviously Liz Berger and the likes but yeah maybe she uh, uh, that second run was seriously seriously good it was and, and that's the kind of thing you know they can take some kind of pride as a team from moving forwards and maybe have as a template and like I said the, the course was easy and the hill was easy but you could quite easily over ski those yeah. courses and that hill so it was good that they found someone that was willing to kind of run a straight enough line and attack enough without being reckless to to, to get that performance so hopefully that hasn't come just at the wrong time so everyone so turns around at world champs they're like grit your medal hope yeah pressure pressure pressure, <laughs> pressure. Um, but it was it was good to, it was good to see like something other than negativity from from that kind of like Austrian women's tech team this 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 yeah, weekend 100 percent uh just quickly before we move away from the women uh did you have you did you see the um I think it was YouTube or I mean it was on social media did you see the little piece that Tina Weireiter did with with Schifrin they had a little no. sort of chairlift ride it's actually really it's, it's quite nice to see a slightly different side of Schifrin thankfully it wasn't just about asking what her boyfriend thought about her skiing or whatever <laughs> um, but it was like um it was talking about you know what a bit more of the insights of Michaela Schifrin how she's like you no know, she doesn't sort of like focus loads on her diet she's just she likes her cake and all this sort of stuff and she kept talking about how she kept she would just she could sleep anywhere and like she'd sleep between runs she'd sleep she'd basically like if she isn't skiing she's sleeping basically they quite... do say they do say elite athletes need to need that rest gotta get that sleep in um <laughs> i mean i need to get the rest in i'm not an elite athlete. i've <laughs> that's just called parenting that's different um i've uh I've not watched any yet, but I know that Shifrin does have her kind of little kind of behind the scenes YouTube documentary type thing, thing on the go. Thing. Yes, I, I think. Uh, but the Viriter thing is well worth a watch for those of you out there. That OK, well, if it's on social media, yeah, great. But yeah, the, I will at some point watch the the, the Shifrin one. Maybe it's like a when there's no skiing on in the summer watch. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I presume it's been built to capture the record um being done but i'll be interested to see it. again like you said it's always good when you can see some things that are a bit more hopefully natural and a little less kind of i thought she was she came across, i mean not, not that she doesn't she I, I do feel a lot of the time when we hear her talk she whether it's in interviews whatever i feel like she's and she is she's very well advised i'm trying to sort of put this in the right way like she's the right media, thing. It's media training, isn't it? Yeah, yeah she's tra she's well trained, but um, this one seems like a little bit more chilled out. Like we see a little bit more of her rather than you know saying the right things, thanking the right people, saying the right things about training, and um, yeah. Not well, when we get Dave on the podcast, just be natural, Dave. Yeah, just, just chill out. Um, but yeah, anything to add about the women before we're going to go off and talk about Cortina? No, just looking forward to the World Champs, really. Let's, let's get going. Yeah. Uh, so Cortina for the men, they were over on the same piece as the women. Uh, and it was, do you know what? It, this is, I think you and I are going to disagree on this one, Ben. I absolutely loved 
the uh, corsets on both days. First day was set by the French, second day was set by the Swiss. And I loved, I really, really enjoyed it because it was, it's not the most, dif- I mean, we talked about it before. I think we talked about it last time in the build up to Cortina. It's not the most difficult of hills. It's got, co- it's got some really cool sections and that, that opening sequence like is iconic and it's one of one of the you know it's like the hunch off isn't it i feel like that that sort of um i can't remember what it is now off the top of my head the name of that that uh section that you know the bit the third gate where the jump is yeah um it's iconic it proper it's a properly iconic piece of <laughs> watching two weekends in a row of it has made me want to go and ski between those two giant pieces yeah. of Dolomite Mountains um, oh, and then, so good. And then it, very slowly cruise down the rest of it and put in like 400 slalom turns between there and the bottom far too many, <laughs> far too many turns uh, just stop go, for a coffee go, in the middle of those turns go straight well. from top to bottom and just get it done quickly and have a great time doing it it's my motto with it um, <laughs> no but uh, you know it isn't the most difficult of pieces. so I thought that the core sets made it really really interesting uh, day one Odomat answered every single question that people had had about him in front of Kilda by, was it 0.35 a second, Matthias Casse converting downhill form into super G form. Uh, second day, Odomat again, absolutely on fire and unstoppable. Dominic Paris in second, great to see him back on a podium, even though it was three quarters of a second away from Odomat. Uh, Hemetsberger picking up a podium for Austria, another one good for Austria in terms of another guy doing it. Uh, and then it was really, really close. There's only seven hundredths between Hemetsberger in third and Pantero in sixth. In between those two was Andy Sander in fourth and Vincent Kriegmeier in uh, fifth. What did you make? Uh, and obviously, and obviously, Kilda going out. I'm not going to disagree on the corset. I thought I thought the corsets were fun. Like we, again, we've talked about it. Like you want the best in the world to be challenged, and I know Super G, you don't want to be dangerous. Um, but I thought it was quite interesting. Um, the conversation we had um, about the women's race a couple of weeks ago, where after a suitor's crash, everyone looked a bit kind of shook up and backed right off it to see guys be about as stereotypical guys as they could possibly be. And when someone messed up at high speed, they all just went, cool, I'm going to do exactly the same thing <laughs> and just and just presume I can do it better than that person. Yeah, yeah, so not, there was quite they, a, they, they made a wrong decision that they were just crap executing the right plan. Exactly. And a lot of people, I think certainly on the, the second day, there was there was a, there was a section where it was, do you do you drift into the turn? Do you steer or do you just put them on an edge? And the calculations that they have to go through either before they start the run and during the run, based on how much speed you're carrying into that section, di- will dictate on whether you need to drift or not. <laughs> and the amount of people, I feel sorry for whichever kind of course worker was responsible for replacing the flag on that blue gate that about 20 people ski through the middle of trying to make that turn. <laughs> he's I just like, like, not again! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you think he's got, one... got a, a drill, he's just trying to move it a bit further out so he has to do less you work. Got, you've got one job, replace the flag on this gate. It's just that cool. That way it's super G. People don't smash it to them that much apart from maybe like Kilda and two others these are like every other person trying to fix the gate I was just that poor guy um, so like but it, it was quite interesting that there was, and it, it's after the first few it seemed like okay just you know clearly you just need to steer to go into it and then a couple people steered on the way in or drifted on the way in and were really slow out the other side and then it was like a, okay this this isn't that simple what decision are you going to make and it almost worked out 
the likes of Odermatt and Paris and Hemitsberger all didn't drift, but they only just made that gate by the skin of their teeth. Although it looked patient, they were super patient. Yeah, although it looked like, oh God, they're really late. They carried enough speed that it was almost better or looked quicker than the people who kind of did that adjustment on the way into the turn. And it's like, it's amazing how some of those calculations work. Um, I thought on the first day of, I think it was the, the first person got the line wrong off the first jump. Yeah, it was um, Roman and Melbourne, the, like missed the, wrong the 300 side. World Cup starts. Uh, okay, one <laughs> gate, two gate, three gate jump. Oh, <laughs> it's just, you, you can just see this sort of gate and, and sailing past his head. It's, yeah, there can't be a worse feeling than being in midair and realising just how far wrong you've got the line because <laughs> there is nothing you can do about it. You're just like, that's that's my day over. Um, I, think but he, did, I think he came out then, the second day as well, didn't he? I'm pretty it, sure. It, it did then make me think of the amount of conversation we've had this year about following people's tracks in the snow. And I was just yeah. like, if he's done that and everyone follows, <laughs> follows the tracks off that ridge, it'll be hilarious. Um, <laughs> and all that, right, we're going we're to send you all back up for another course inspection. Yeah. We're going to draw detection. a massive, great big arrow. I remember at the British Channel they did that because um so many people got it wrong one year off the off one of the jumps that they the the, the french course workers had had absolutely enough so they just you know <laughs> painted a giant arrow in the direction that you had to this, jump. this blue line isn't to help you pick out the terrain it's telling you where to point off this blind roller Follow um, me. <laughs> damn british not damn british um but on the uh on I think it was the was it the first day that the weather wasn't great. Yeah. And then and we had better. the people. Yeah, the light was just a bit flat. It wasn't terrible weather by any stretch. It was just a bit flat light. And then we had that little stretch towards the back end where people were coming in from the from the back that got quite exciting for a bit. It was the early because uh, Feuerstein from 43 to six and, and Jeffrey, the Canadian, from 44 into seventh. And it was just like, this is this is fun. It wasn't all oh, the conditions of making the race. This is just, you know, yeah, when you when yeah. you when you've got that ultra clear visibility as opposed to slightly flatter light, it just gives you so much more confidence to let to let it rip. Um and I think, yeah, obviously they, those guys put in some 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 cracking runs. Um I did want to ask what you thought about Paris because so many people were messing up. Do we feel that podiums Paris is back getting back to his best, or do we think that's so many people that should have been on that podium didn't finish? Do you know what? No, I don't. I don't when I he don't came think... down, I thought he made so many mistakes on that run. I thought there's no way he's holding that lead. Um, and yeah, obviously Odomat beat him. Um, but I, I didn't think that would be enough for a, for a podium when he came down. Like no, the people, I, who, I agree the people well. who skied out. Sterested, Casa, Crawford, Rogentown, Kilda, Mayard. You, you'd think all of those, the way they've been skiing this year, probably would have been in front of him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where they've been skiing this year, but he went. He was going really. He was going well in the first race before he had that massive moment, and then basically just skied to the bottom. Stop trying, skied to the bottom. Um, do I think that's him being back? He beat. He still beat Kriechmeyer. He still beat Hemmetsberger. He's no slouch. He still beat Pantero, who's who, who skis well in uh, in Super G. He still beat a bunch of good guys. Is he back? Is that vintage Paris? No, I don't think it is vintage Paris. But I think people need will need to look at him again now because he has he started to tap into it, didn't he? What was he fifth in the super in the in the downhill the first downhill in. Uh, Kitzbühel 
And he did that early on as well, didn't he? He didn't do that when the light got better. So he, yeah. he was nearly there then. And then three quarters of a second off, which was still quarter of a second in front of everybody else. So yeah, I think he's, I don't think he's vintage, but I think he is, he's in a good place, I reckon. So, so yeah, the last couple of weeks that we've started to see the, the speed from him that we hadn't seen at any other point, even when yeah. things were like earlier in the season, he just looked slow. And was yes. making and mistakes. Whereas, yeah. whereas now it's like, okay, well, the speed's there. He's making mistakes. But, you're but just... every, everyone was making mistakes this weekend. It was quite, it was quite fun to watch. And, and like you said, right at the start, like the course setting, I, I was fine with it because it challenged them and it made all of the racers make decisions because there are some people that can't turn like Odomat. And to be honest with you, I was very, very surprised. I was sitting on the, certainly on the second day before Kilda came down saying, he is probably the only person in this field that can bend his ski enough to make that turn that they would the discussion yeah. about the drift was on happen easily. So the fact that he didn't, didn't get to the bottom, I was absolutely shocked with because I was just like, I really want to see how these two times match up because yeah, that looked like it could have been could have been an epic battle. It's a, it's a bit of a shame, isn't it, the DNF? Because I feel like we've been robbed. What have we got? Two races left now. Two super Gs left. One hundred and forty-eight points difference. So, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, no, it's hundred. I know the difference. I think it's just two. We've got the calendar here. Yeah, it's two left. Two left. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like um, I just feel like we've been robbed of something really cool, like a really close battle all the way to the end. Because I don't know if we've got load of battles in other places in in terms of in terms of globes. Uh, obviously, there's now one in GS, which we'll talk about in a little bit because of because of Odomat. And what did you make of Odomat? What did you make of all the knee stuff? I know that he definitely was it was injured um i mean the fact that he, mr gs tells you he was definitely injured because yeah, he could well, have I, I, that I, and, yeah so yeah but i'm not saying he wasn't injured but i think i think they made the right choice obviously there was something 100%. wrong he'd like he'd clearly niggled something in in in, in kitsville like the actual save he did didn't actually look like he'd hurt himself at the time and the way he skied the rest of the run seemed okay but clearly walking around yeah. afterwards you could see there was a problem he took the time out he did the training that they they I had thought, him back th on skis, and I thought he probably. I think they said he could have raced Schlepping, but they were taking the precaution. I think with world champs around the corner, they said just give it a few more days. Let's make sure you're kind of strong. And he had the lead there, didn't he? And it he had he had a hundred and fourteen point lead in GS, and he had uh, a twenty five point lead in the, in the Super G. So it was only one decision to make by missing one GS. You've given yourself an extra three days i think it was of, of rehab and recovery but i knew I, I knew that when he put his skis on he would he was you know at his best still i mean oh yeah it wasn't a case of he was he wasn't limping his way down that run that wasn't a no it was, it it was, was always going to be that before but i think he was i think it was always going to be that and he's come out and said he was thinking of doing the combined at the world champs but as it currently stands he's not going to yeah because marco um, schwarz is going to flip and run away with that one <laughs> that guy well even even so if well. kilda's been having slalom tips from shivers yeah shut your face <laughs> i mean they were talking about this all last year weren't they which is like always oh, been getting tips i was just like right brilliant can't <laughs> wait um but that I mean, that would have been brilliant to see. Uh, just how much he could get the, the I guess the get in the mix for that combined. Yeah. But I think yeah. to be honest with you, that him missing that GS just for like that middle of the week gave us a little glimpse of like, oh, maybe Kilda's going to have a chance, and Kilda coming fifth in that GS. Maybe I think, well, if if 
if Odomat misses any time, any more time, this could be really interesting. Odomat just came back at the weekend and went, no, don't be silly. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Mic just drop. Said, don't be ridiculous. Give me all yeah. those points. Uh, <laughs> a couple, couple of... Um... Couple of sad ones though. First dine after picking up that sick. Second day did his it did his ace did his uh, meniscus. I think actually uh, did his knee basically. So that's a real shame. I think Trevor Philp was. I don't. I didn't read exactly what it was, but lower leg injury. I think they said you know after he got carted off hitting that a net right at the bottom. Uh, obviously that didn't look good when that happened. I'm trying to think if there was another one. I feel like there was. There were there were quite a few crashes and and a few that they were kind of left up in the air as to kind of what the condition of, of the racer was. There were some that people kind of walked away from, but didn't look at all comfortable walking. Um, so yeah, the next kind of week or so, I guess when, you know, we start to make our way into kind of world champs and training runs for speed events, we'll start seeing who's actually fit and, and who's not, um, yeah. which is, which is a real shame because these, these racers are pushing it all year round. And the last thing you want is, like the week before your, your major champs of the season to, to get injured. And like you said, especially off the back of like a one of your career best results, then getting injured is just, you know, you finally think you're reaching your potential as an athlete and then you're facing a lengthy period of, 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 of coming back, which is, which is, you know, really, really hard. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, anything to add on Super G action? No, for a speed, for a speed race, that was kind of fun. For a speed race, <laughs> if if there was more people on here, I'd I'd mute you for that. But uh, the fact is, it would just be me Don't talking, be talking to, myself. to yourself. Yeah, and there's uh, that, nobody needs to hear that. It's far too much of that going on at the moment, anyway. Um, so <laughs> let's go, let's go over and look at. Let's start off with Cromplatz. We'll kick off with the women's uh, double GS from Cromplatz race one. Schifrin took the win. Spoiler alert. Uh, Lara Gubarami <laughs> in second. Brinoni in third. Race two, Schifrin in front of Movenkel and then in front of Sarah Hector. Uh, takeaways from that GS, Ben? Largely that uh, Schifrin's pretty unstoppable um, was, was the <laughs> takeaways from that. Not just in slalom. Uh, that was a, that was an absolutely dismantling of the field both days. Um, four tenths one day, eight tenths the next. I mean, that is absolutely pacing the opposition. Um, and when the opposition is, is skiing the way uh, Lara Gutbarami and, and How Federica Brignoni... How good was Lara Gutbarami's second run, by the way? I remember what, on the first day, I remember watching that going, that is, that's a real tester for Schifrin. And then Schifrin went, yeah, hold my, hold my beer. And just absolutely yeah, obliterated yeah, it. Took three tenths out of it. Yeah, it's brilliant. And to be honest with you, I thought Brignoni's was 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 pretty impressive as as well um not recoveries though wasn't it a bit bit wild but there speed. was and we you know and and in the kind of uh uh people people bench here's four corner um you know tessa back in fifth was was kind of good she was a long way back but I, i've stopped hearing talk of this kind of knee problem they were talking about a few weeks back and she looked to have a bit more control over her skis again which which was nice and um i think we saw Alice Robinson back in the top mm. ten, which is someone we've been saying this year. Yeah, it looked like it was there was something starting to click, but we yeah. weren't quite sure if it was there or not. That that yeah. was great signs going into the uh, in, into the World Champs to to see that from Robinson. I think probably similar to to Dave, she's one who kind of has suffered this year from the ridiculously soft snow. Like she likes it as bulletproof as it gets, and um, I think I think that the kind of changing conditions are certainly 
helped her out a bit. Um, but yeah, like you said, that Gubarami second run on the first day was, you know, we like to see Schiffrin under pressure. We don't want everything to be a walk in the park for her. So that was really good fun to watch. And I think Flaho, did she have two, two fourths or a fourth and a fifth, something like that? Two, yeah, yeah two fourths. So like her slalom skiing doesn't look right this year. And like you said, it might be time for like, maybe she needs a, a bit of a uh, godgier holiday, uh, a bit of sun and sand and sea or whatever before the world champs. But the GS skiing looks close. Um, it, look, it looks, it, you know, there's a couple of mistakes in the runs, but the speed's clearly there. Um, and, and maybe that's, you know, last year was just win that Olympic gold, win that Olympic gold. Maybe this year's kind of, focus a bit more on, on GS and get the whole skill set back. Yeah, maybe. It just, it, it still looks, I think it still looks really forced. And I think that's probably what my takeaway from Blahova is it just, when she's at her best, when she's when she's able to challenge Schifrin, she looks like it just looks easy. Uh, but it, it's not looking easy. It looks like those results that she got were great results, but it looks like she was really working for them. And I think, Vintage, vintage Flahova, and uh, we've we've used that phrase a bit, but vintage Flahova. I think she doesn't have to. I don't think she has to try that hard. I think there's a bit. You see all the um, there's been a bit of spike, hasn't there, between Flahova and and uh, and the Schiffering camp. There was a a, a video. Again, a video what's going on now? There was a video that surfaced. I think after uh, where was it that Schiffering won? I think we missed this the other week, where Schiffering won. A uh, Flahova won. Sorry, beat her, didn't she? Um, was that her first race of the year? Yeah, first yeah win and of the then year. Um, she was celebrating, and I think the fans were were sort of less than nice about it, and she was sort of going along with it. Her what her fan the yeah. Slovenian fans were less than nice. Slovakia, yeah, oh, Slovakia, sorry, yeah. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't see any of that actually. Oh, um, Where but... are you? You're just not on Twitter at the moment, are you? You're just clearly, clearly, not, clearly not enough on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, too much well, time. Too anyway. much time not on the internet. Um, no. But no, okay. So it's not. This isn't like a you know like before like the filming training routines. Oh no! I mean, bring that back. I love that espionage. <laughs> but, you know, somebody hiding in the trees, videoing um, runs. Yeah, I, I mean. You know, I like to see her do. Better. I think, I'd, I'd like I think there was a lot of. Again. I think a lot of that celebration was just relief because, you know, how pressure. long? How long has it been? We how long have we? How many seasons have we had to wait till January for the first Vlahova win? Like you know, yeah, yeah Schifrin is always there or thereabouts, but normally Vlahova's got a few wins by now. Yeah. So the fact they took that long just to get pressure one, I think her, a lot yeah. of that was just a massive kind of release of emotion. And then her fans are, you know, this. They constantly talk about it on telly. There is like a, a proper Vlahova army that follows her around. Like they, they, you know, live and die is probably a little bit too extreme, but they are so oh, they are, yeah, passionate, so completely yeah. engaged in in everything that she does. Um, and they probably see that rivalry a bit differently to the way Schifrin and Vlahova see it. A bit like you know, football teams and their fans and that kind yeah. of stuff. Like people, so unfortunately, sometimes fans take it a little bit more personally than the racers themselves. Um, uh, but yeah, I think. Like you said, the the more people there are challenging, the better. And so that's why I think it was good this weekend. We had Mo Winkle in there as well. Who yeah, what did you think know... about that? And Hector back as well. Back to Hector looking a bit more comfortable on the GS skis, especially that unsurprisingly, that shift uh, Hector's return to form coincides with a little bit of a more compact snow surface. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that she's starting to come back because I was I was a bit worried that that injury she got the back end of last year just kind of 
broke the spell of what was working so brilliantly because we said last year she's someone who's been around for a while and then that that magic thing clicked for her last year and she was absolutely dominating and then when that injury hit just before the end of the year was kind of like a heartbreaker and you know costa that gs title you know as happy as i was that, that, that tessa got to win it Hector kind of earned it and deserved it and it was a shame that she basically had to hobble through those last couple um, World Cup finals to try and scrape the points together to to get the win Um, and I was worried that she kind of lost that magic and and, you know was searching for it again and was starting to see it and you you don't you don't want it to be like a season in your career you don't want it to be just that one season where everything went right for you or you found that magic formula you, you know no one's going to be as lucky's not what Schifrin is at all. She's, she's she's an incredible skier, but no one's going to be lucky enough to have like an entire career of being brilliant. Yeah. But you really hope that when you do get it, it's not just that season or half a season and yeah. then you're injured. Like you really want to see that you can you can find that consistency again. And I, I really hope that come the back end of this year and next year we see her back to absolute full speed. The like similarly with Robinson. Um, yes so that these these kind of globes can be properly contested for, for years to come. Uh, yeah, good words. I'm just going to do a Marcel there. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> uh, on to Schladming for the double night race. Uh, we had a cracking set of races there. Really enjoyed those. Uh, in the slalom, which was Tuesday night slalom, uh, Clement Owell took the win finally back on the top step uh zenhuizen again back on a podium which is great to see because it's been a bit far too long a bit far too long yeah nice one uh, it's been far too long uh, and then lucas Bratton back on the podium as well dave riding not able to back up his results uh from uh kitzbühel but he was in 12th he doesn't tend it, it doesn't tend to go well for dave i mean he's old isn't he he's he's a poor old boy trying to do two races in uh, in that many days that's four runs so like 420 slalom turns in like 72 hours is far too many for his his poor bod uh but it was it was a good old day and there and then the gs i loved that hill i really hope that we are able to race on there a bit more because it was it was nice big wide tough uh gs turns loik may are looking absolutely on fire Took the win in front of his teammates, Kavietzel. Uh, Marco Schwarz rounded up the top three. Henrik Christofferson went from third down to fifth. Fellas stuck in another DNF. There's so many different components to uh, those two days of racing. I don't even know where to start. Where, where do you want to kick off with us? That one, that one. I'm going to go with the slalom first because those are the results I've got in front of me. Um, <laughs> but you're right. You're right. That that Noel was the Noel we, we love watching ski, but him and you know a whole bunch of these guys in slalom they cut such ridiculous lines yeah. that i don't know that we're ever gonna get another version of uh uh marcel hirscher in his prime where he just found a way to always be on the edge he'd get out of the odd race but he'd finish most and he'd win most or he'd be on the podium of nearly all the races he finished whereas these guys now they cut they are going so hard every run taking such massive risks no one seems to be able to finish more than three in a row like even with Brata who looked kind of like he had everything dialed in has had a couple races where he's messed up like Noel has always had a bit more kind of uh he's, he's kind of like the French crazy man he really isn't he um uh he he, he has that win or 
dnf kind of feel yeah. normally yeah. and but all all of the guys at the top of slalom seem to be doing it this year you'd probably have said christopherson was the most consistent of all of them and he had a bit of a shock and was 11th in the slalom so well he was, he was um, most consistent last year wasn't, wasn't it last year he was the only one to one win more than one race wasn't that slalom last year that's basically what got him the globe as well yeah. um so it, you know it's do you think do you think quickly that you know how we often talk about how Makoda Schifrin has re- raised the bar of women skiing? She's sort of set the bar. Right? Everybody's had to, to go crazy to catch up with her. And then potentially now she's sort of inched it further ahead again and managed to find a new gear that maybe others are going to have to try and find again. Uh, and But I think, for the, do you think as well, for the men's side of things, you've got seven guys, let's say, that are setting the bar almost on a weekly basis and the next one just finds something else and then they've got to just go you're you're never able to rely on your technique because you're always trying to find something else you always got to try and find something else because the the other guy just just picked up a, a millisecond on one turn in training last week and now he's winning Maybe, although I feel like to be set in the bar, you need to be doing it consistently the way Schifrin does and the way Hersher did in, in his time. I, th- I think the margins are so small that they they have to push that hard all the time. Um, but I, you yeah, just don't I, get a chance to find that consistency. Yeah, it's maybe the, the fact that they don't get to raise the bar. They're just constantly trying to get to it because it keeps, you know, in, in theory staying at the same level but they're trying so hard to reach it or maybe Hersher said it's so high no one can quite reach it and they're all trying to get to that level of both hilarious risk taking and also still getting down most runs um and maybe that maybe that's the best the best way to look at it but I mean you, you touched on it Zenhausen being back uh is you know on the podium is good to see that like he's had it's weird he kind of lost his confidence from like slalom crashes which isn't something that you're maybe you lose it from lots of dnfs but his was from actual kind of fall wasn't it that that they talk about yeah um uh, but i I, to be honest every time i see him ski slalom it makes my brain hurt a little bit just trying to work out how the signals get from his head to well that's maybe why you know maybe (laughs) because you've got that injury you know it takes a long time for you to you know, feel his feet again because they're so far away and find the confidence. I mean, we've, we've talked in the past about like Vlahova having advantages because she's got quite long limbs in terms of the way she can ski like ruts and bits and pieces and still generate power through them. But with Zenhoisen, I just, I don't know how he's, I don't know how he goes so fast. He's just, just I, how I just, hard he's going to have to work to be in balance due to the fact that like he's like twice the length of his skis. When he holds up his skis at the end of the race, it's yeah, it's like seeing someone with snowblades or or big feet, as a bit of a 90s callback. Um, Trying to race on those old school Salomon snowblades. Yeah, Um, that'd be hilarious. Um, But it's you know, and it shows what an incredible skier he must be to be able to do it because you know, like you said, staying in balance on and on any ski is pretty difficult, but on skis that feel that small when you're that tall and your center of gravity is so much higher than everyone else's it must be so difficult for him so it's really good to see him to see him back um and you know we we nearly had the uh manny fella on the podium in, in, oh, in mate, austria I feel so, bad so close 
Um, and I, I kind of like the love he was getting from the Norwegians as well. They had like the Manny Manny Fella fan club t-shirts with the moustaches on. Uh, I can't remember, was it McGrath when he was sitting in the in yeah. the leader's chair? Had his little, it was a bit of a love-in between the uh, Norwegian boys and and, uh, and Manny uh, for, mean, the, is, for the couple days Fe- there. Fella is pretty, he is pretty cool. He's probably the, it, it, you know, of all the guys, oh, here you go, yeah. If you could have a, if you could go for a beer with one of the uh, Men's World Cup, who would you who would you go for a beer with? Odomat. You go for a beer with Odomat. <laughs> I know, I know, what I said, but we did we did say in the first couple of years like Manny Feller looks like a really fun person, and then Marcel always says he was really boring. Uh, <laughs> so, so apparently, dyeing his moustache green uh, and skiing like a wild man is where it ends. Apparently, off the piece, he's actually quite boring and chill. Um, he seems to uh, go fishing a lot, which isn't really my idea of fun. Uh, seems to be his getting chill time away from the mountain he's always posting pictures of himself going fishing so yeah, yeah. um but yeah just, just pick over matt's brains and be like how on earth do you go that fast how Where do you, you find that, all of this what, time <laughs> what are you doing how are you going that quickly uh yeah i love that slalom that was cool but i think i prefer i think i might have preferred the gs i didn't like the time gaps because it was too big and therefore it just felt like it was you know, once those early guys had gone down, it felt like it was a little bit over. But I just thought the skiing on show was brilliant. I would have loved to have seen Odomat there because I would have. I just want to be able to contextualise uh, Mayar's run and how quick Mayar was actually over <laughs> those two. You know, was you, he? You I mean, it looked it, yeah. ridiculous, but I wanted to see if he was, if it looked ridiculous and would have beaten Odomat or if Odomat would have made him look ordinary. And and have the Swiss one two three yeah. in Schladming would have gone absolutely oh. mental as well. Yeah, just the, the, the uh, Marcel the, uh, would have been in tears. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Austrian press would uh, you know give them an extra bit of fuel that they wouldn't have needed. They would be, they would be like R.I.P. Austrian skiing. This is the day that it died. Uh, some other superfluous nonsense. But it was. I mean, you know, I I text you guys and I did, I did say if Odomat uh, wasn't racing, I wanted to pick Mayard and. It, he skied out of this world like that looked just perfect and I think we, we've talked about his, his skiing a lot and I think you mentioned it on commentary looks like he's got a bit bigger in the last couple of years and a bit more powerful but he still doesn't look like he's being powerful obviously he is mm. but just his ability to just not get bounced is is amazing and you know yes he doesn't have the raw speed and, and touch the way Odomat does um, but just he just seems to float down the mountain in such an amazing body position. I don't know how he does it. And like, to be honest, if he don't, yeah, I'd, I'd probably be in his fan club if I could go touring around the uh, World Cup with anyone's fan club. It'd probably be it'd probably be his. Um, but he, I just love watching him ski, and it's impressive to see him doing it across multiple disciplines as well, because I always thought he'd had the kind of the base of a GS skier, but to see him podium in slalom and super G as well is, is, is kind of brilliant really, because it just shows where you can expand from and you don't have to just be a, a kind of one discipline racer. Did you know that he was, have you looked at the results, studied the results from the super G of the first day, he was quicker than Odomat to the uh, last intermediate before he DNF. So he was, he was flying, yeah. Absolutely, legitimately leading the way there, and would, and, and probably because he he DNF'd it uh, right down the bottom, didn't he? In a sort of almost 
Was that at that last kind of roller jump? Yeah, where well, he, he should have done it a bit better. He should have done it better, really. It wasn't like that wasn't the difficult, really the difficult turn. He just went oh, no, a few, a few people messed up that game, but that wasn't the one causing people's problems. I yeah. think that was, to be honest, I think if anything, that was just he based on insp- inspection. I don't think he thought he would ever be leaving the floor there. I think that was just yeah. he had so much speed. The run was going so well that a bit like we said about with, with Bauman, he kind of went through the air and then went, oh, the gate is not where it should be. <laughs> <laughs> it's not supposed to be there. Somebody's moved yeah. it since I inspected yeah. it. And then, uh, you mean, you could you could tell he knew he was on a brilliant run there because he let out an absolutely massive roar yeah, in, in the air before he'd even hit the floor. He knew what he'd thrown away there. So, like, that is showing absolute raw speed in three disciplines with such no, an amazing a, technique, which is, which is um, awesome. He's certainly emerging not for this season because it's too late, but for next season as a, as a runner for the overall now, isn't he? Because no, nobody else is going to be, you know, nobody else. And, well, you say Schwartz could walk away with that combined. Yeah. If if Mayor skis like he did in that Super G and then he has done in slaloms this year, those two could have a really good, could have a really good race for it. Yeah. And if true. we see Pantero finding a bit of form in slalom. Well, he's um, not, Pantero's already said that he's not going to be racing this Saturday in Chamonix on home snow because he's he doesn't want to because slalom's not going well and he's going to take some time away. I mean, he came seventh in and that was the GS. Um, that was because they came seventh in Chamonix. You know, he, he just did. he didn't even um, qualify, did he, for the second run? Just no, by he, going, he, yeah, by he going slow. <laughs> So yeah, he's decided, so yeah, so he's not racing this. Well, that's what that's what's being reported. Obviously, it w- remain to be seen. But yeah, I mean, we do need to. I mean, I've had the five minutes of Mayard swooning. We do need to talk a little bit about Gino Caviezzo as well. After everything he's been through, with his brother and stuff this year, it was a really nice photo of him. I think on his on his brother's shoulders with his trophy after the race and stuff. That was that was that was brilliant. Um, I'm really, really happy for him. Um, but he's he's another one of those guys, and the Swiss have got a couple. I think who uh, Mauricio is the other guy. Just on when they get it right, they can absolutely fly. But we just don't yeah. see it very often. Not do that we? Con- they haven't got that consistency yet. Whereas that, similarly to that was Loic Mayar a couple of by the last two two three seasons was seriously quick, just not consistent. Gino Caviezzo has been seriously quick for a while, not able to put the thing it, since he was. Podium in Solden, what was that, three seasons ago, two seasons ago? Anyway, a while ago. He's he just he's so he's so much on his inside so often that he just cannot be consistent with it. Just like he just makes he's honestly like on the absolute ragged edge. The guy couldn't even put, I don't know, when the tiniest bit of pressure extra on that inside ski, and that's because he goes down. So he's gonna go really well. Uh Mauricio is always a barrel of laughs and it, I feel like he because he was he was up in the top 10 wasn't he which were the super G's was it was it the first super G that he went really well in so you know uh, the Swiss are getting it obviously and surprise surprise where, how well they're doing but they are getting it right in a lot of areas and those guys if they can just tidy it up like Loic Mayer has done this season those guys are going to be you know the the team itself. If it w- wasn't already going well, it will be next level, and the Austrian pain will continue and probably get a bit worse. I mean, yeah, they, I mean they've they've got. I mean, unfortunately, I think we cursed Manny by saying how consistent he'd become in the last couple of seasons. We might have cursed yeah. him into into DNF in all the time. But Schwartz almost looks fully back now. Like, yeah, 
that that ridiculous kind of downhill and super g results he's been putting in the podium in uh in in a, in a gs we just need to see that kind of full slalom spark from him um you can see it in sections of courses he just needs that i mean that's the problem with slalom it's so hard to put it all together two runs in the same day yeah um but yeah i feel like he's he's kind of back and he'll be challenging for for podiums in most races that he's in moving forwards um but the other guy who absolutely monstered that second run in the in the gs was uh steen olsen he had yes. an absolute he, i mean these norwegians they're just coming from everywhere you know like Bratton and uh mcgrath still count as like kind of young challengers and new and new kind of they're on that kind of low jeans yeah. rising star award and like they're like household names now. Are yeah, they? He's, uh, they're only a year understand. older than Steen Olsen. They're only, you know, it's crazy, 20, isn't it? Yeah, he's twenty-one and they're twenty-two. You kind of forget that they're because because Broughton and McGrath have been doing well for the last two and a bit seasons, three seasons nearly. You go, you just assume that they're a proper bit older than Steen Olsen, but I mean, he, he's lovely to skier to watch as well. And again, another cliche, and it sort of annoys me hearing it, saying it myself. But once he gets a bit of man strength behind him, he is going to be seriously quick because he does. He does look. He does look a little bit light, light on the ground. I'm I'm hoping to get my man strength one day. <laughs> It'll come one day. It'll come one day. I'm gonna start lifting up heavy stuff, probably. Uh, You've got to lift it up, and, put it down, and, lift it up, and put it down, lift it up, and put it down again. So not not a day sooner. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, it's, I think we've talked about the kind of like training groups and the overhaul that kind of the the Swiss did to kind of get good teams again. You know, they Odomat's young, Mayard's youngish, like, but this Norwegian team, like if the Austrians don't find some young racers and the French and the Germans and those kind of people, it's just going to be a Switzerland versus Norway for the foreseeable yeah. future. Um, they, they just, they, their squad is so, I would not want to have to pick the uh, Norwegian the men's tech team for the world champs. Slalom and GS is going to be a brutal team selection. Absol- absolutely brutal. Um, so with that in mind, we'll do, I think I'm just going to spring this on Gareth. Gareth, apologies if, uh, because I'm not sure it depending on what, if you listen to this before I text you about it. But um, I think what we'll do is just, we'll just do a fun predictions, mini predictions league for the world champs. Uh, and I think we'll probably just have to smash all the entries in pretty quickly to make it as easy as possible um, for Gareth uh, to, to sort of collate them. So we'll put that together over the weekend to keep your eyes on social media, man. If you've li- managed to listen this long, then uh, that's what's going to be happening. I'll put it on social media to try and uh, to make it clear for guys as well. <laughs> for, the, for the three of you that are still listening at this point in the podcast. Hi, mum. <laughs> uh, and, and hi, Marcel's mum. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, um, that's what we're going to do. So, Ben, shall we look at this coming? The only race that's happening this weekend is a little Chamonix slalom. Um, yeah, after having like eight races a week to pick for the last like three podcasts, it's a bit weird to only have one race to talk about. It is, isn't it? Uh, would you like to? Would you like to just stick in a pick, cheeky pick? Uh, yeah, let's go for it. Um, I part of me really wants to go for um, Noel and Home Snow, but 
his ability to put back-to-back races together this year has been zero. So I, I don't think I'm going to go for Noel. Um, so instead, I'm going to go with probably the easy pick of Christopherson. Uh, okay. I'm going... I'm going to stick with Strasser, I think. That's who I was getting close to picking. Did I pick him last time? I think I might have done for uh, for Schladming. No, not for Schladming, for Kitzbühel, I think. Um, yeah, I'm going to pick Strasser for the oh, victory. about you, Marcel? Oh, no, wait. Um, no, he said he already he phoned in. He said he'd like to pick Raposo. Oh, sweet. For the slalom. Yeah, that's his, that's his big pick. He said um, the skis are going really fast for uh, Henrik's... Uh... Yeah, just jump on those ones. Yeah, <laughs> it's a spare set. Uh, anything to add, Ben, before we depart? Leave these people to their uh, work. Well, just what do we reckon we're going to get from from Dave? Day slalom rather than night slalom. Um, Day slalom, night slalom. Uh, do you know what? It depends on the weather, doesn't it? For Dave, they, old Davy boy needs it bulletproof, rock hard on icy. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know this. I don't know if this is the normal track because this one's just called Majestic Chamonix. So I don't know if that's <laughs> like a, I don't know if that's a sponsor or they've got a new part of a, a run called Majestic. Or because the they normally have like it in the Lazouche one, does it? That doesn't feel like Lazouche. That and they have the one that's in like oh Jontier, that's the normally like the floodlight one, but yeah, that one's that one's flat and boring. So I hope it's not that one. Yeah, um, I'm not exactly sure which one of those hills that, that is. I guess we'll find out with the rest of them. But you know, same again from 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 the boys. Obviously, we've seen Billy put some some blinding skiing in. Uh, if he can put one in the finish and, and get that second run, and, and hopefully, same for for Laurie as well. Although we talked about and you talked about on commentary, it's so hard from that bit further back, um, that kind of fifty seven kind of realm he started yeah, from. Yeah, I think it's just been real because um, Alan Baxter, his who is his coach, uh, messaged in and he would just say that. There've, there's been a load of cancellations with all obviously all the rubbish weather that's been happening. Obviously, that's been everywhere. So um, a lot of the Europa Cups have been moved around quite a lot So and been postponed whilst the weather's been pants. So that what that he said that that was always the plan, but they just haven't had the opportunities. Um, so let's hope that they get that together. And yeah, it's a, t- it's a tough one for everyone this season trying to do that kind of getting your number down yeah. by getting some good races in because there just hasn't been any snow anywhere and it like it's been pretty impressive to have had as many World Cups as we've had. So yeah, no, feel, got, feel yeah, for the people well. building those trying to build a program must be virtually impossible in, in this, the fly, kind, of, this kind of season. Yeah, you've got to be adapting into it, otherwise you'll uh, you you can't make plans. I don't think you've screwing them up and redrawing them every every day i think probably in reality so yeah good words ben nice one thanks mate and uh we'll catch up over the weekend we'll get our pre-world champs pod together uh, and get that in the predictions form as well all right guys take it easy thanks for your company bye for now